Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. It is almost October, and Crins, that means it's playoff baseball uh, time. So we will spend a heavy chunk of the the podcast here this week uh, previewing the baseball playoffs, uh, pr- do more previewing next week when the real eight are finally set. But uh, Nathan Stacking here with you, uh, my good friend and co-host Travis Crins here. Uh, like I said, Krenz, uh, this is this is probably your, apart from March with March Madness, this is probably your favorite time of the year, right? With the with the baseball playoffs. I love the Twins right and that's this is about as excited as I've been about the Twins and their chances in a long time because you know what, Zach, you know what? They don't play the Yankees. We don't gotta play the god. Damn Yankees. And even if we beat the Astros, which I hope they do, they still don't have to play the Yankees. Mm-hmm. What a miracle of all miracles had to happen for that. For that not to happen. I'm drinking a high I'm drinking a high flavored uh, raspberry water right now. It's very good. Oh good. White the White Sox had to lose seven of eight. If they win one game, twins are playing the Yankees. Yep. Seven of their last eight. Amazing. It's an epic. It's a collapse of epic proportions here. Um, Yeah. Do you you want to start with the with the baseball, or should we just get the Vikings shit out of the way first? Yeah, I mean this was the this is the best they played. That's what the offense has looked. This defense gives up a lot of field goals. I don't know what it is, but this defense gives like five, six field goals a game. And they're from fifty plus yards out. I mean, Stephen Gostkowski had missed five kicks the first two weeks. And then he picks the, the, you know, this week to make six. It just doesn't. It just, it defies logic. Every team makes kicks against the Vikings. Which I guess is better than making uh, making touchdowns. But you know, the, uh, Jefferson, he was impressive. Awesome. Uh, Dalvin Cook was exceptional. Uh, the quarterback still the stupid shit with uh, taking sacks and, and was the the general dumb dumbness of Kirk Cousins. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good game. They were competitive. Things happened. It was fun to watch, and they ended up losing. So I would say it was the perfect game. Yes. Uh, so the Vikings, first time in NFL history that the same team had a wide receiver and a running back with 175 plus yards or more um, in a game. So Dalvin had 181 yards rushing. That's never happened. Je- never happened never before. Happened. Nope. Never. Never. Uh, so. Really? Dalvin had 181 yards rushing. Jefferson had 175 yards receiving. Kyle Rudolph with arguably the catch of the year in the back of the end zone. Uh, he's so good at that. Um, and yeah, you know what? This is, I people are I I see too many people on Twitter bitching about oh I need a side team with the Vikings and stuff. Like okay, I I, I get that uh, I get that to a degree, but take just take what this as what it is right now. It's just. Chalk it up to 2020. There's a lot. The the deck was kind of stacked against the Vikings here to begin with, to a degree. Um, and I overlooked some of that stuff. Uh, we'll see if Daniil Hunter comes back. They were competitive in this in this game, and they still find a way to lose. Which I hate trying to like kind of cheer for cheering for them to lose. But if it means they still are in the hunt for Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Trey Lance, I'm okay with that. I'm 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 very okay with that. I mean, what, what's the difference between winning four games, 
four games or five games or six games. I mean, let's let's try to win two or three. Uh, looks like the Jets, the Jets are the favorite. Um, they got Jets and Panthers. I think would be the two teams that we need a quarterback. And um, we usually don't. I think we play uh, Carolina here coming up sometime. We do. Yep. If, uh, Carolina got a win though on Sunday, so yeah, if we could lose that game, that would be, that would be a good one. If we could lose that one, that'd be nice. Um, so they play they play both the Panthers and the Jaguars in a stretch in November and December. So keep an eye on keep, keep keep an eye on that there. The Jets and the Giants look absolutely awful. Uh, we'll see if the Giants. I think the Giants are almost married to Daniel Jones for at least one more season. Uh, you know what? If, if they're smart, they wouldn't be. Oh, I know they wouldn't. They wouldn't have drafted him. Uh, but that's. I mean, Arizona. I go back to what Arizona did, and that's working out great for them. Mm-hmm. Except they they lose to the Lions. I mean, how do you lose to the Lions? That doesn't. That just shouldn't happen. But no, uh, the Vikings played good. I I feel conflicted though, kind of cheering for them to lose. But you know, if they if they won, I would have been happy. If they lost, I'm fine with it. You know, that's what that's I think where I'm at this season. Uh, we get the Owen uh, the Owen three Texans coming up here, a battle of winless teams. There's going to be fifteen thousand fans at Houston. I I presume that Deshaun Watson is just going to tear the Vikings up. Um, Pro Football Focus has released that like the Vikings secondary is trash. Uh, Harrison Smith is the second best safety in the league, which shouldn't shock anyone. Uh, but that's it there. And then uh, the offensive line, not good, uh, particularly in the interior. But uh, well, I saw their starting corners were out because I didn't pay attention at all. I saw that at the beginning of the game, like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, I, I didn't think they did too bad. So, no, I, I didn't. Second not good. Rodell was out there. Um, I, I thought it would be a lot worse. Yep, I did. I did as well. Um, and I, I really want to see what Cam Dantzler can do because I think he can. Uh, he's only played one game, but I think the rookie has has a lot of promise ahead of him, and I think Gladney's going to be fine too. Eventually, it's you're just rookie. You're kind of getting thrown in that spot, and it's tough to deal with. But uh, the Vikings get the Texans this week. Here we'll we'll see what they can do. But yeah, zero and three, uh, and it is what it is at this point. It's it's fine. Um, just, just for fun, I, I, I tried to. I, I looked up. How do we get rid of this quarterback? How do we do this in a painless fashion? I forgot the. I forgot the main yeah. place of San Francisco. I suppose. Um, Reunite if the Vikings trade Cousins after June first of next year, mm-hmm. if they do that, they only it only costs them ten million dollars in dead cap space. So that's, I think, pretty reasonable. Um, if they were to cut him this offseason, it would be $41 million, So you'd want to trade him. So if they were to cut him before the start of the season. So um, if they were to cut him after next year, before the 2022 season, before the last year of his deal, that'd also be $10 million. So You'd almost have to give team a draft pick as well to take that that money, though. Yeah, maybe. I just want to get rid of them because it's like we're just spinning our wheels now. Like we, we went as far as we could. This year's going to be a bad year. He's got uh, what two more years left. Yep. You know, hopefully you get a guy. I don't. I, I don't expect them to draft a quarterback this year. 
I don't know that he, I just don't. I think it'd be perfect if they would to to have that person sit a year, mm-hmm. whoever that person would be. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you know, and then, and then you see where you go from there. And you ease that person. How even have that, especially if it's Trey Lance. You have him sit for two years. Mm-hmm. Behind Kirk, then you say, Kirk, thanks for your service. Uh, let's move on. Yep. No, I I think it it I, it totally depends on where they're at in the draft. Um, in terms of what they should do with Kirk Cousins. Because, you know what, let's say they... I mean, let's say they're in a position where they can draft that uh, that offensive tackler guard from uh, Oregon. I mean, that would shore up the offensive line considerably. Uh, that would help Kirk Cousins. But maybe they do draft a, a Trey Lance or, a, um, you know, Justin Fields and... Uh, have them sit and learn for a little bit for for that one year. I think that's that's totally fine. I think if you get Trevor Lawrence, you almost start him right away, kind of like you did with uh, yeah. with Joe Burrow. But you need to have an offensive line to protect him. I mean, the, the Bengals uh, a should have beaten the Eagles on on Sunday. Uh, the Eagles tying it's just to play for a tie. I don't know if you saw any of this game, but they play, they were so lethargic. They were trying to not win the game. And Carson Wentz looks terrible, but Joe Burrow got sacked eight times. Uh, he's not going to last the full season if the Bengals don't protect him. Uh, and so that's going to be the case with the Vikings. The Vikings have to shore up that offensive line. Kirk Cousins isn't going to last if the offensive line doesn't play better. So it's... It's it's a two way street. It's not all entirely on Kirk. It's on the offensive line as well. Because I, I was thinking about watching that game. I thought about Sam Bradford when he was there for a year, mm-hmm. and how awful that line was. And I think how he set the record then for the best completion percentage in NFL history, which I think has been broken since by Drew Brees, I believe. Yep. He was completing like seventy seventy one percent of his passes because he knew. He had to get rid of the ball because he did not have two seconds to throw the ball because his offensive line was bad, a lot of short passes, a lot of quick throws. Mm-hmm. His quarterback needs to understand that he cannot sit back there for three, four, five seconds. He needs to get rid of the ball. He hangs on to the ball too long. You know your offensive line is below average. Uh, you have to adjust for that. You have to adjust for that. And where the, where the hell has Justin Jefferson been? All of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere, and they actually throw him the ball, and he has this type of a game? Christ. Mm-hmm. Halen didn't do much. Uh, we talked about Dalvin Cook. They finally gave him the ball. He had a multi-yards he's ever had. Let's, let's keep doing that here. We got nothing to lose here. This is the lost season already. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get Cook. Let's get uh, these rookies involved. Uh, can we find another receiver? Somebody do something. I want to find a receiver worth the damn. I mean, anybody, anybody. Well, well they got anybody two. catch anybody. They got two. They got two. So that's better than than just the one. Well, yeah, they got good. I mean, we we need Jefferson to be like a Pro Bowl type guy. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we need him he, to be. He yeah, had the set. We the, need Jesus Christ. That, that's bad. The most. Mo- Smith. Where, where, where the hell is Earl Smith? That's a great question. Uh, Jefferson. Jesus, I, I, I was not a, a fan of Earl Smith. I think I'm pick a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like this was not a need. We don't need to pick a tight end. We have much more pressing needs than this. What the hell do we do with Earl Smith? Yeah, he he's the heir apparent to Kyle Rudolph, or he was. Um, great, great. Uh, but Jefferson, the second mo- the, the most receiving yards by a rookie in a game since Randy Moss had 190. Uh, so. 
quarterback and so Green Bay week five and ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Right there, that's all you gotta say. Oh, just it just it's just so great on that Monday night. It was so fun to watch. So I will say uh, the Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. He might be I don't know if he's gonna be a first round pick or if he's gonna be a guy that's gonna come from maybe a mid round pick to be in the. Uh, First round pick, but uh, Kyle Trask from Florida. Or, K- or KJ Costello. Sure. <laughs> uh, we, we, like, we like Mississippi State. We do. Uh, and then the thing is, like, we expect them to be better next year, so they might not be in a position next year to draft a quarterback like they may be here in this coming draft. So mm-hmm. uh, they may be picking 15 or 20, uh, two drafts from now yes. in this draft yep. year. They might be picking top five, top ten. Yeah, no, and I, th- I think that's why you have to go for the quarterback next year because you won't have – you have these generational not, – not, Trevor Lawrence is a generational type changing quarterback. Uh, Fields, I don't know. He potentially could be – Trey Lance is a complete wild card. But you have those three quarterbacks as that oppor- – it's the opportunity this year, and then who knows what's down the line. Um, this is the year, though, to take one of these quarterbacks, I think. So, um, you know, who, do you know what teams I'm afraid to draft a quarterback in the first round? Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the Baltimore Green Ravens. Oh, no, yeah. The Green Bay Packers. They're not afraid, even if it's three or four years down the road before a guy even plays. They're not afraid to draft Aaron Rodgers, and they're not afraid, uh, afraid to draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement, even though he looks like he could play for another five years. So. They're, they're not afraid to do that. You know, like the Vikings seem to. We've drafted what? We drafted Culpepper, we've drafted Ponder, Bridge. and kind of sort of Tavares Jackson in the second round. Uh, t- Those Teddy, are the only quarterbacks. T- Teddy Bridgewater. In 25 years. Nope. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. They did yep. him. Teddy Bridgewater. She said, we've drafted four guys. Culpepper worked out. He was good. Uh, Ponder was an embarrassment. We, we figured that at the time. That came true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. I mean, you would have been fine. You have yep. been okay. Can you imagine and, what they would be like, though, with Teddy Bridgewater quarterbacking the team if he doesn't get injured? I mean, you don't... I'd be okay. You I'd don't, be okay. You don't draft Kirk Cousins. You don't uh, sign him. I think Bridgewater would oh, yeah, be good. Yeah. I think he's a really good backup. He, he, he's, he's too good to be a backup. But, yeah, he's a, at least an average quarterback. So, yeah. for... $10 million less, I guess. So maybe, maybe, maybe someday he comes back to us. Who else? We'll see. Oh, but the tank for Trevor, lose for Lawrence, fail for Fields, and try for Trey is in effect. There we go. So there, there we go. Um, so yeah, that's the Vikings there. Uh, Eagles tied. Carson Wentz looks like shit. Uh, Nick Foles is now taking over for Frank. So that's. That's good. Um, uh, a moment too soon there. Nope, nope. Uh, somehow has the bit. Ba- has any three and team ever benched their quarterback before? I don't know, and I don't think a three and team looks as bad as the Bears have looked. It's just, it, it's it's remarkable, really. But it is what it is at this point. Um, Packers look great. Uh, Dallas and Seattle that look like a good game. Was a good game. Points. Can, can we? I think we've asked this many times, but why can't you just run into the end zone with the ball? Like, you because know, DK Metcalf. Who did, who did what? I don't know what yeah, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is running with the football, and he he he, he essentially 
leaves, hangs the football out, and the Cowboys guy, cornerback, uh, hits it out of his hands. I mean, he, if he just hustles into the end zone, he scores a touchdown, and it's there's that. I mean, there, there's just nothing else that needs to happen. Metcalf scores. Instead, they, it almost came back to cost the Seahawks because Metcalf didn't hustle into the end zone. I think at this point, I don't think it's ever going to change because it's happened so much, and we're like, oh, well, this. Deshaun Jackson, this has got to be the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, ooh, everybody's got it. And then there's a random college game where it's just like, hang? Like, what? what is the point? Hang up to the ball. Run through the end of the end zone. Don't, did, don't struck the ball until you get there. Like, what is the benefit? I did, don't know. Did you see that Georgia Southern-Louisville game, that Georgia Southern wide receiver that uh, – Dropped the ball. Uh, he was trying to switch it, the ball into his hands to extend it out, and he he lost control of it and got a touchback. I mean that. It's, I do lose Just hang on. Just hang on to the ball. But we are in for a season unlike a postseason unlike any other on the baseball side. We've never seen it. We've never had this many games before, and the Minnesota Twins don't have to face the damn Yankees, which is just great. That is exactly what we didn't want to have happen. It's not going to happen. Praise the Lord. And I got to tell you, Krenz, you know, there are a lot of people that are that think that the Twins... It, I, so I sent you a text on on Sunday because I said you know I, I wanted that two seed because I felt like playing the White Sox was probably a little better, though they're a very dangerous team. I mean, even we okay. Let's even rewind back to last week. We were talking about okay. This is what the White Sox have to do. They have to lose all these games, and yeah. we're like, well, you know what? Four at Cleveland. You know, the the Twins have Detroit and Cincinnati at home, and then you know the White Sox have to play the Cubs. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the White Sox would lose these games. They lose two games to Cleveland in walk off fashion, uh, walk off home runs for the Indians. They get swept by Cleveland and lose two of three to the to the Cubs. And the Twins, while well, even though they lost two of three to the Reds, they did enough. They got uh, the lead in the division. They hung on. And so it was just a matter of being the two or the three seed. And so when I sent you that text because they got the three seed, now they have to play the Astros. Would we rather be the two seed? You said it worked out perfectly. Explain yeah. why. I trust, I, you know, the fact that we don't have to face the Yankees anytime soon is great, um, but is that the main reason why? Because they don't have to face the Yankees. No, it's um, in Houston. Houston's twenty nine and thirty one. They're the worst. Yeah, they have the worst record in the Sunday's playoffs. They're not very good. So I'm happy to play them with Cleveland. You got uh, you, you got Shane Bieber. So I didn't want to that. Uh, they let up. Um, White Sox, you got that. The thing about it is, yeah, I guess oh, there, there are a lot of scenarios on that last day. Um, all of a sudden, they got in the mix for the two seed because Seattle was beating Oakland. And I was hoping that Oakland would beat Seattle because I didn't want the two seed. Because um, we are the two seed, you would have played Chicago. We just played them. It didn't go well. Lost a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want that. And then uh, Chicago almost comes back down 10-1 to 1 in the eighth inning. They bring the tie and run up. They're down 10-8. to 8. That was very scary. And then, all right, so the White Sox lost, and the Twins were down an extra inning. They're like, all right, lose that game, take the three seed, play Houston. 
instead of the White Sox. I would have preferred to play Houston rather than them. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. Um, their offense is not good. Houston's offense is not good. Uh, Zach Grinky uh, doesn't scare me a whole ton. Uh, they got a couple young pitchers, though, that uh, are interesting. They got Lance McCullers back for game three, potentially. But uh, they've got some young pitchers. But I think, I mean, they're, they're better than Houston. They are better than Houston, plain and simple. So beat them. Twins have the best home record in baseball. They're 24 and 7. Mm-hmm. Houston has one of the worst road records. They're 9 and 23. The, the two, everything, everything sets up for the Twins to win. The 281 winning percentage on the road is the worst by any team that's made the playoffs, I think, ever in baseball history. Or certainly. Um, in it, it hasn't been that bad in years. Uh, you are right. So let me ask, because maybe I was misunderstanding what the the rules were of this. Because Houston does have the worst record, yet they are the sixth seed. Toronto and Chicago had better records. Is it because the first it, was it because first and second were automatically guaranteed, like in the top six spots, and then it was the last two, essentially wild cards? Is that how that must be how they? Um, did it? That's a terrible. That's terrible. That's a terrible rule to have. Um, I don't like it at all. Padres have the second best record in uh, the National League. They're the four seed. I I don't. That's I don't like that at all. Houston should be the eight. I mean, there there should be no guarantee that any team makes it mm-hmm. outside the division. There shouldn't be any guarantee that oh you, you play second. That means that uh, you. You get in the playoffs, no, because you have a situation where the second team does not have one of the top eight records, and, and that almost happened to Houston. So I don't, I don't like that. So Twins with the three seed get the worst team in the playoffs. So I'm all for that. Yep, yep. And then if they win that, uh, are they they are are they reseeding as the playoffs no, go, or it's they, just they would play the, the White Sox? Okay, uh, yep. I prefer to play Oakland. Yep. So, Yep. So that and, and, and there's no playoff teams this weekend. So it's uh, what Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we're done. And we'll get uh, the weekend off and start again on Monday. I like that though. I think that's a good way to do it. Well, because they, they're traveling to the bubble at that point. Yep. So yeah, football, uh, no days off once the series starts. So mm-hmm. it'll be what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Uh, first game is at uh, what, 1 o'clock Tuesday on ABC. Uh, ABC, that's something different and interesting, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what noon on Wednesday on ESPN2. So afternoon games, I like that. Yep. Game with something to do at work. Um, I can watch the debate Tuesday night. I want to watch that uh, entertainment. Just so make, I think make sure you pay uh, your taxes. Tech and I, you know, should, uh, should shut them down in game one, I would hope. I would hope so too. And uh, Barrios has played really well. Um, yeah, I, I I hope. I mean, the Twins have a 16 game lo- postseason losing streak coming into this year, and t- at least 10 of those have been to the Yankees. Maybe 13. Uh, so it's it's the worst ever. It tied the Blackhawks, I think, in the 70s for the worst ever. Yeah. Yikes. Not good. Not good at all. So hopefully the Twins get at least a win here in this series. It's a three-game series. But, uh, you know, we get four games on Tuesday, eight games on on Wednesday, and then another eight on Thursday, and then, you know, potentially eight on Thursday. So 
who knows? It's going to be a lot of fun here. So as we as we go through here these series, so we'll start in the AL. You have the Rays, the top seed, against the Toronto Blue Jays, the eight seed. As I was going through my doing my previews here for the blog, I I knew that T- Toronto had beaten Tampa Bay a couple of times, and it seemed to me that Toronto did better against Tampa Bay than they did against most other teams. Looking at it. Tampa Bay only went 6-4 and four against the Blue Jays this year. So it's not inconceivable to, th- to think that maybe Toronto has that ability to be able to get by, uh, to be able to upset the Rays. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Rays pitching is just too strong. I think they they get it done. The, the Blue Jays have a lot of young, talented players, though, who can maybe shock the world, shall we say. But this is... It was just 6-4 in the regular season, so it's not inconceivable that there's an upset in the making here. I don't even know if I can name a single Tampa Bay pitcher. I can't. I can name more than two or three, so I have no idea who's on this team. Uh, yeah, they're they're the one seed. Uh, I think yeah, I think they'll beat Toronto no problem. But um, yeah, they're the one seed. Hell of a deal, Tampa Bay. I also am taking the Rays. Uh, A's hosting the White Sox. Another, uh, this I think if we're, I'm not going to count the Yankees and the Indians. Like if the Yankees beat the Indians, I don't count that as an upset. That's five over four. That's not a big deal. It's the, this series though, the seven over the two. The White Sox, I think, have the talent, the bats, they have the pitching. To take down Oakland, are we? I, I'm picking Oakland here. I think it's going to be a three-game series, but it's it's very, very close. I'm very, very close to taking the White Sox. I would not call it an upset because there's one game difference. Sure. Yep. Okay. Oakland one thirty-six, Chicago one thirty-five. Um, there's really no difference between those two teams. Yeah, between this and the Yankees and the Indians, that's probably the two most intriguing series of the first round uh, between them. Chicago, they surprised me with how good they were uh, right off the bat here. They, they did struggle seven out of eight, but they had some close losses. Oh, boy. Um, I think the White Sox win. Oakland, they kind of like the Twins. They had a little bit more postseason success, but not a whole lot. So I think I'll take Chicago. Okay. The Twins are the three seed hosting the six seed uh, Houston Astros. And I do like how in this first round that the higher seed gets to host the series and then they go to the bubble. I think that's the fair way to do it here because then you have the five in the DS and then seven in in the CS and then the World Series. So with the just looking here at the at the Twins and Astros Twins offense hasn't been as good as it was last year. Their pitching's better, though. We already mentioned Houston's bad. So uh, if if the Twins want to break their postseason sh- uh, schneid uh, and skid, this is as good a year as any to do it. Yeah, I can't, uh, this is the best. I, I feel like this is the best pitching they've ever had since I've seen them mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Kenta uh, Maeda's been their best pitcher since Santana. Yeah, I think he's going to finish second in the Cy Young to, to Shane Bieber. At Cleveland, he's been that good. So, um, 
and they need to win game one. He needs to. I think I don't think he's given up more than three runs at any start this year. So uh, the Houston offense is not good. They need to, uh, yeah, win game one. Uh, for me, Jose Barrios, he's the difference. Mm-hmm. If he can pitch well, that's a big boost. If he's not, he's not pitched well. I don't believe in, in big games, big playoff games against the Yankees. He's not pitched well. So he needs to do better. And um, Byron Buxton got uh, hit in the helmet. He's always on the mend. It seems like he's been really good mm-hmm. the last couple weeks. Uh, Donaldson has his cap thing again. Uh, Nelson Cruz does not appear to be 100%. He's kind of been struggling lately. So they're big hitters. The nose struggled. And so the offense has not been good. But uh, I think the pitching, the bullpen, uh, very good. So they are better than Houston. Just just beat them. You're at home. You don't lose at home. Beat a not very good team. Beat them two out of three or beat them two in a row. Mm-hmm. And let's move on. Yep. With Jesus Christ. It's been, what, since 2004. We were, what, how old? We were 16. I was 16 years old. I'm 32 right now. Half of my life has gone by between playoff wins for the Twins. That is ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they they get the win, and then hopefully the you know Buxton can get healthy, Cruz can get healthy, Donaldson can get healthy, um, so he can kick dirt on a plate and get ejected again. Um, hopefully. You know, what, you know what the Vikings quarterback was last time they won a playoff game? Oh, uh, 2004. Uh, goodness gracious! It, not it just. Right before Culpepper got hurt, I think. So it was Culpepper right. then. I, I would say, I mean, I, even right, I mean, right around that was like yep. week four or five. He got hurt at Carolina. That was the end for him. So, oh, I mean, Dante Culpepper hasn't been the Vikings quarterback in sixteen years. Mm-hmm. He was the last. Uh, Randy Moss was still on this team. Good God! So, the time is now. The time is for for them to win this series. Maybe win a couple more. Make some noise. They're they're a good team. They're. Uh, They've had a very good year. They've, they've done well building this roster, building the building the pitching. Um, they, they need to actually do something for once in the playoffs. Yep. And then they're favored. They're favored for once. They're the favorite in the series. They should be, and and they should win. So if they don't, it would be a big, a huge, a huge disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And then the four five matchup, Cleveland's going to host the Yankees. The Yankees are playing incredible baseball right now, but Cleveland does have the pitchers. You mentioned Bieber. They got that, what, Plezak or whatever. Um, well, I, they, Carlos Carrasco is good. Yep. So, but they don't have the bats. I mean, so the, I don't see their offense being able to compete with the Yankees. They're going to have to do it in like a 2-1 uh, game, and I, I just don't see that happening. I think the Yankees prevail in this series against the Indians. I will pick the Yankees as well. Uh, Garrett Cole has pitched better as of late. So, yeah, Garrett Cole and uh, Shane Bieber, that's uh, the big-time matchup in, in Game 1. Shane Bieber's going to win Cy Young this year. So, uh, Garrett Cole won a last year, I think. So, that's a great, good, very good pitching matchup. This is probably the series of the first round mm-hmm. that I would care to watch. And, um, yeah, Yankees bats, they've been hot. I don't want to play them. And uh, I think they win. Do we want to then project into next week, or 
like the in the what would truly be the DS round yeah. or okay. I would say it'll be it'll be between the Yankees and the Yankees do what they do. So <laughs> that's what I would go with. Okay. Twins over you know that Oakland uh, White Sox series. I don't know. I guess I picked Chicago, but um, it, it would be. I'd love to play Tampa. I'd love to play anybody but the Yankees. I love to play Tampa in mm-hmm. the World Series. That'd be fun. But uh, yeah, a Tampa New York. Uh, series, that'd be good too. And the deal is, uh, Twins are going to play in Dodger Stadium, so that's going to be kind of cool playing playoff games in Dodger Stadium. And hopefully, if it's the Yankees in the other series, they want, I don't I don't want to play a 9 o'clock game. So I want to see mm-hmm. what they want to do with these start times. Because I have no idea what they're going to do. Because you got the National League in Texas, you got the American League in California. You can't... You know that... I was like, just gonna... we, we know they're not going to play the first game of the day when there's four games. We know that. We know, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know they're, prob- they're, they're probably going to play the second game or the fourth game. Mm-hmm. So, and we, we know the, the National League's never going to play the last game of the day when there's four games scheduled. So, I don't want to play that last game if we can help it. And if the Yankees are on the other side, do they put the Yankees on at 8, 9 o'clock at night? I don't know. Are they are they just doing it at Dodger Stadium, or are they doing at Petco Park? Okay, I wish they would do Petco Park. I wish that would be the that is that is that is Petco Park. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm saying I wish they would be playing at Petco Park. Oh, between yeah, between yes. Dodger Stadium, I think the Yankees would be in San Diego. And I would think that the Yankees, you would almost have to do it where you. Because you don't want to put the Yankees in 10 o'clock. I mean, 10 yeah, o'clock out east. Yeah, the thing about it, though, and that's... Mm, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I wish they would have... I don't know. I wish they would have... This whole bubble thing, I don't know. I wish they would have put one series in each league in each state instead of both in the same state, but then you want them to be both close to each other. I mean, you use Phoenix. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, even Fe- California, I don't know. Yeah, Phoenix even, because that would be an hour different. So, even- or, or you make the World Series and the Championship Series all in one place. Yeah. Since you could do that. I, but, but no. We'll see. It's going to... It's going to be very interesting on that front. Uh, I want to take the Twins. Sure, I'll, I'll go Twins-Yankees, and I'll have the Yankees prevailing because... You know what, though? I think the Rays can take down the Yankees. I do. Um, Rays have played well against the Yankees here. I will still take the Yankees, but I, I hope the Rays... The Rays-Twins for the World Series would be just Rain. fantastic. I'll tell you about this. Uh, about, the, about the playoffs... Um Obviously, the, the Twins have my interest, the White Sox, Oakland, as I'm intrigued by that. I don't give a shit about Toronto, but I'm intrigued about Tampa and see how far they can go, if they can actually win this thing. And obviously, Cleveland and the Yankees, that's kind of a 50-50 toss-up right there. So, unlike the, unlike the basketball playoffs, which I mean, the finals are coming up, but I, I don't care at all about this. It's, it feels like a summer league game in, in Vegas to me. I, I just can't. I just cannot care about these NBA playoffs even more. So I don't know how you feel, but I just do not care at all. And I usually watch the finals, but I don't think, I don't plan on watching much of it. I I guess I I hope Miami wins since that's Mm -hmm. 
don't know, a better story, or they're on a heck of a run out of nowhere, really. But I have no interest in that. I get, like the, uh, I get, well, at least the American League. National League, uh, I don't care a whole lot about it. I, I get more of my basketball in uh, information and stuff from the Dan Levitard show, because they're constantly sure. talking about the Miami Heat. Uh, so that's where I'm getting my NBA uh, fix in. Uh, I might watch a little bit, but it will it won't be much at all. Um, yeah, I watched more of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, what a great game Saturday night, double overtime, and then the overtime game Friday night. Was, I don't know if you caught any either of those games, but that was that was some great uh, hockey there. It looks like Tampa's going to win here. Uh, probably going to push Marcus to next week. To next week's show um, to to recap that and stuff. Has um, hockey been hurt the most by all of the sports at once? Because in the summer, there's nothing going on except baseball and the NBA Finals and hockey. It's kind of the, now they're competing with football and, and the playoffs. Have they been hurt the most uh, uh, in all this mess? Yeah, probably because people weren't really paying attention to it. But I would say uh, that they've done the best. Them and and then and the NBA have done have done very well, as well. You didn't. I think people, could, you know, were maybe more turned off by what the NBA was doing with their social justice protests and stuff. Uh, hockey, it didn't really infiltrate a whole lot there. But I I don't know. I think people. I mean, hockey's always grasping for ratings anyway as the fourth sport in North America so you you put it in the in summer and you're just I mean it's tough for them because you're competing against you know Monday Night Football you know game six the Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley Cup here and you're dealing with you know you're going up against Chiefs Ravens like that's incredibly difficult to do you can't do that you know you're going to have if you have a game seven you would go against game one of the NBA finals it's just you know, the scheduling aspect of it uh, is the, the flexibility and just being able to find the time is, is very difficult for all for all networks because no one is no one was thinking like hey we're gonna have NBA basketball in August here now granted TNT's not gonna have anything they're just gonna be playing movies and random shows and stuff like that so that doesn't really impact them but for ESPN you know you have to all of a sudden throw NBA basketball in the mix uh and maybe throw some on abc when you're not used to that with the normal fall programming and you know uh you know potential games and stuff for college football now i mean so i don't know what we're going to see in november and december uh more college basketball games maybe on espn which would be nice uh they're going to start on the on november 25th and uh you know, maybe we'll see more games now on Friday nights on ESPN because they won't have NBA, uh, you know, for college football. So there's that uh, possibility. But, uh, yeah, we'll see about that. So on, back to the baseball, though. On the NL side, I know you aren't nearly as intrigued by it, but the Dodgers face the Brewers, who somehow backed their way into the playoffs. I thought the Giants were going to get that. Um, Dodgers sweep that. They're just they're too good, and the, the Brewers are just shit so um dodgers sweep that series that, that that's not even serious i think we're in agreement there right the dodgers win it win the whole thing this has been years now this has been years <laughs> what is it, five six years now they got their asses handed to them a couple years ago by boston uh great series against houston there a few years ago 
win a World Series. This, I mean, 43-17, and 17, they were three games better than Tampa. You got to win this fucking thing. I mean, Jesus, Chris is getting ridiculous now. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> It is. It is. So, yeah, that it, now is as good a time as any to do it. Um, yeah. yeah so. well, I mean, Walker Buehler starts game one, Kershaw game two, that's good. Yeah, sweep, uh, sweep, uh, sweep uh, Milwaukee, and then you may have to play the Padres mm-hmm. uh, the second round. So. The, Congratulations there. The the two seven that's going to be the Braves against the Reds. Now, what was it's interesting about this series is that the the Braves have some starting pitching that's uh, you know they got some injuries to their starting pitchers. The um, and I was looking at CBS Sports. They they had their expert picks, and four of the five picked the Reds over the Braves because of the Reds pitching because they got um, they got uh, Bauer. Uh, Bauer and Bauer. Uh, so, Kenny Gray, Luis Castillo, yep. yep, three very good guys. Are we? Are we? I mean, the Braves have such great offensive firepower, and they would have good pitching if they, their pitchers weren't injured. Are we really taking the Reds over the Braves here? If the Reds are so good, why would they finish thirty-one and twenty-nine? Well, that's a good point. If they're so good, and they got all these great pitchers. You know why? Because they can't hit for shit. That's why. I think they hit two eleven. Last time I looked, they were the worst in the league. They hit two eleven as a team, which is horrendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitching is good. Trevor Bauer probably going to win the Cy Young. Yeah, this is the, the intriguing seven uh, two upset here. I'm going to I'm going to pick the Braves. Uh, yeah, I think their offense is better than the Reds pitching, and the Reds pitching is good. But again, their offense is is not up. So you got to be better than that. Maybe they'll turn it on here, but uh, you, you got to be a little bit better offensively for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I am tempted to go with the Reds, but I, I will go with uh, Acuna, and I'll take I'll take the Braves in three. Uh, the 3-6 matchup, the Cubs and the Marlins. For the law, lo- like, can we please have the Marlins win this series? I want this to happen so bad. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Cubs are unbeatable. And this Marlins team might have something, you know, I don't know. They, they, they might have some magic. I mean, they did take two or three from the Yankees. D- do we have this, Crins? Is this a chance? That the, the Marlins can beat the Cubs. Yeah, I give them a chance. You know, I probably pick the Cubs, but let's, well, let's pick the Marlins. Let's pick let's pick one upset here. Yeah. And let let let's be this. Let's have this be the one. And then let's the, have Miami. Let's have Miami do it. That'd be good. And then the four five is going to be the Fathers against the uh, the Cardinals, and we're going to take the Padres because we love Fernando Tatis and company. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Padre is very, very good here. Uh, let's hope they win because nobody gives a shit about the Cardinals. Um, yeah, Dodgers, Padre. That, that's, that's where it's at for the second round. Is Clevenger healthy? That's the key. If he's not healthy. I don't think so. Okay, so if. If he's not healthy and unable to go, then I have to go with the Dodgers. But if he's even remotely healthy and can give him a couple of starts, I, I might take the Padres over the Dodgers. I might just go with it here. 
They've got some questions. I don't know who's pitching for the Padres. I don't know if they know yet, but they've got Clevenger. They've got uh, Diddleson Lamette. Have you heard of Lamette? I have not, no. Lamette. He, he's been very good. He's a uh, Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. Came back at the end of last year. Uh, Diddleson Lamette. He's been uh, very, very good for them. So he might be a future ace. And they've got Zach Davies, who's uh, just a, an average dude with Milwaukee. Uh, you know, last few years, uh, and they, they traded uh, they had a trade with Milwaukee, brought him over, and he's been maybe the most consistent guy. So uh, you got Davies and maybe Lamette, and who knows after that. But um, any team that was Brown, I'm a fan of, and <laughs> I hope that they can get past uh, St. Louis. Does that mean you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns? Oh, yeah. I love the Browns. I love the orange. Let's see, if you have brown in your uniforms, I like it. If you got orange and purple, you have teal, but I would like you. Yep. All right. So you're a Clemson and a Miami Marlins fan, then? Clemson, I mean, we know Clemson Marlins, for sure. Um, you know, Miami, Hurricanes, uh, Charlotte Hornets, mm-hmm. uh, 1993 Phoenix Suns, all that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so then... I mean, we'll have the Dodgers in the in the NLCS against uh, the Braves. Yeah, that's what I've got. I wouldn't mind, you know, Reds Cubs or Reds Reds Marlins. I want Reds Marlins can, second round. Can we? Um, oh, that's for the second round. Okay. I, yeah. I don't particularly like the Reds, but yeah, they've got three very good pitchers, and that's why people like them. So. It would be interesting to see a team like that, a 500 team, make a bit of a run. But um, could could we have Marlins, Padres in the NLCS, and Rays, Twins in the ALCS? Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. That would be great. I I have no interest in Braves, Cubs. If it comes down to Braves, Cubs, I don't care. If it's Dodgers, Cardinals in the second round, I do not care. I care. I care about the Padres. Uh, the Marlins intrigue me. The Reds intrigue me a little bit, much more than the Cubs or the Braves would. So, if things go as planned in the National League, I'm not uh, huge. I'm not hugely uh, interested in that. But uh, there, there's some potential there because, like, teams like the Cubs and the Braves have injuries and have some flaws. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fascinating to see. And uh, you have the Dodgers winning the entire World Series. Uh, yep, Dodgers, Dodgers over Yankees. Let's get that. That'd be great and uh, make that happen. I was looking at uh, what the normal playoffs would have been this year. It would have been uh, a White Sox Indians one game playoff, and the uh, the Twins would have played Oakland, and the Yankees would not even be in the playoffs. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so even, weird. even though even though the White Sox are the seven seed in this stupid thing. They would have been the wild card, and even though the Yankees were the five seed, they would have not even been in the one game playoff because White Sox and Cleveland both had a better record mm-hmm. than number two New York. So stupid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we talked about the NBA Finals. They'll start on on Monday or on. So we'll, we'll preview more baseball because if the if things change and stuff after the series, we'll we'll do a full D- NL and ALDS. Uh, preview next week um nba finals are starting this week la against miami um so there what we go it been eight 
eight years in a row, or I think it's ten years in a row. This is the tenth year in a row. Either the Heat or the Warriors have made it. Really? Huh? I suppose. So with... It's been five years in a row for Golden State. Yep. And before that, it was four years in a row with Miami. Yep. Suppose, yeah. Even though Miami's been and Miami's been there plenty, it, it still feels new and fresh. I guess that this version of the Heat are in it. Mm-hmm. I guess it just goes to show how terrible the East is. When were they the four seed? Ye- the uh, five seed, they ever five seed. four or five, whatever yeah. they were. Yep. It's just yeah. Not the NBA playoffs. They, they've been fine. I I have not cared a bit. About these, uh, about the Nuggets. Well, Doc Rivers stepped down today. Got stepped down or got fired? He got fired. Yeah. So he. Well. I think he got fired. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark D'Antoni maybe uh, taking over there. We'll see. I heard Ty Ty Lue is a possibility, or Van Gundy. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy may be doing. I I can't imagine yeah, Van Mike. Gundy would do it. I think Mike D'Antoni's going to... Yeah. Which, uh, he's, he's almost 70. He's 69. Um, anything from college football from the weekend? Uh, trip your trigger. No. Nope. Mississippi State win it. I watched a little bit this week for the first time. Mississippi State win That was good to see. Uh, I think we really like Mike Leach. Wherever where he goes, you can go to Bumfuck Pullman, Washington and uh, turn that team into something and go to bumfuck Stark Mill, Mississippi, which is pretty much the same as Pullman, Washington. And uh like Stark Mill, Mississippi would, would fit into South Dakota perfectly. It's just random middle of nowhere, nothing. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna do it there. Sure they'll win eight, nine games and be competitive. That's that's amazing that wherever he goes, they throw for six hundred yards a game and he makes quarterbacks out of nothing. And um and his, his it, it's just his post game press con like his his interview with CBS afterwards was just great, just fantastic. Uh, the way he carried himself, press conferences, his Twitter, he seems like a normal guy. That from his, this is the way he coaches. This is the way he runs his, his uh, teams, and and it works. He's like the crazy uncle, but he's the crazy fun uncle. He's not that like the crazy uncle, like oh no, Uncle Uncle Mill, uh, Uncle Millsap's coming, or uh, I, I just uh, Uncle Uncle Fred's coming. Like he he would be a Fred. I think he like he's that he's the fun uncle. He's the fun and crazy uncle. From what I from what I understand, uh, KJ Castello from Stanford last year. Mm-hmm. I think he started more unless he got hurt or something. He started five games last year. Yep. How many yards do you suppose Stack and eight through last year in five games? Nine hundred. A thousand thirty-eight. How many? How many yards did he throw on Saturday? Six hundred twenty. Six twenty-three. Six twenty-three. He threw for four hundred fewer yards in this game than he did in five games. You know what? He had what? He had sixty-one hundred yards. Too bad he's not going to play a full season. Too bad he's not going to have a chance to play 12 or 13 games. Yeah, get on That's the thing with Dr. He could throw 6,000 yards this season when he didn't throw 6,000 yards his first three years at Stanford. 
Get on board the Mississippi State bandwagon. The SEC better be on notice here. They do have to go to Alabama, unfortunately, on on Halloween. So uh, the Pirates. I'm interested. The pi- I'm interested in all our games. All, yep. all of them. Yep. Yep, I'm just saying, you know, like if you have, if you're looking at their schedule and what they have, who they have to play. I mean, they already went on the road to LSU and won. They have to go to Tuscaloosa and they have to go to Athens to play Georgia, not Greece. Uh, Athens, Georgia, to face UGA, but they do get Auburn at home. But otherwise, I mean, it, I mean, it looks pretty, pretty easy for them. So. So you would say, you know, like Oklahoma loses, Texas almost loses. Yeah, I think they're done. Uh, you would say, what, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, we like them for the playoff. And then it's that fourth spot, which Georgia didn't look good for a while. So Georgia, Florida looked really good. You look at Georgia, Florida, second team out of the SEC. There's nobody in the ACC. There's nobody in the Pac-12. There's nobody... In the, I mean that that fourth playoff spot UCF. Seems to be up for grabs here. UCF, get on board. Well, no, we'll see. I think they're going to expand the playoffs. I hope they do. I think they will. Can they can they do this before the season started? For what is this the goddamn Stanley Cup lottery here? Can can we get this done? When are they going to announce this? I I don't know, but I mean they're still waiting for. Um, I mean the the Mac is coming back. The Mountain West. It, it's just it, it just it just looks it it does it looks terrible. So I think you have to wait and see like, like how, how many how many games are some of these schools going to get in before the Big Ten even starts? We're going to have five six games in yeah before the Big Ten even starts. And all they're going to have Alabama at six and zero, and here's Ohio State with their first game of the year against Nebraska. Like what the fuck? I know. I. I, I like, what? I know. They're gonna get it in, I guess. Jeez, what a what it, a weird. It is. It it is very weird. Uh, I mean, because the MAC is only gonna play six games, I think, before they have a conference championship <laughs> game. What's I, the it, point? It, it, I, These bowl games. Can't you wait for a three and three team to make a bowl game? Anger be great. Yeah, it is. Three I mean, and three Northern Illinois against five and. Uh, no, four and five Florida State in the fucking Little Caesars change my oil bowl up in Quick Lane, Nebraska. Quick Lane, Detroit. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Oh, boy. The bowl pickup. The bowl picking this year is going to be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. It is. You're going to have a three-win team in a bowl game. Yep. Yep. I hope. I uh, anything else before we say so long? You paid your you paid your taxes, right? Yeah, I paid my taxes. I'm gonna pay more than some people paid, according to certain reports. So that's good. Uh, there's a big debate tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to watching that. That should be fun. Um, Mitchell lost to Yankton in overtime. That was a fun little finish. Yeah. Overtime, so. I just want to touch on about 30 seconds to go up three and then I gave a field goal at the end of the game to, to tie it. So that was good than your average high school football game. There were like a dozen games canceled last week because of COVID in the states. Um, like 450, 500 cases a day on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was our worst week ever. Yeah, but your governor's um, at least there, right? Well, you <laughs> might sleep here a couple days a week. Um, so you're going to be in Florida here sometime, I don't know, in the next few weeks campaigning because that's what 
she does now. She campaigns for the president. Mm-hmm. We're actually doing something up here because it's not like we have the highest rates in the country for this thing. So, yeah, last week was our worst week, and we've already had, I think we already had like six games, six or nine games already been postponed or pushed back this week because of it. So, it's not good. So that's that. Uh, I have a trivia question here. Okay. Running backs. Think about running backs. Okay. All right, Nick Chubb. He's played 35 games. So through 35 games, Nick Chubb has rushed for over 2,500 yards. He also uh, is averaging 5.1 yards a carry. So it's very rare. Okay, say that say that first part again. You, I got the five point one yards per carry. And Nick Chubb, thirty five career games for Nick yep. Chubb, thirty five games. Yep. Five point one yards a carry and twenty five hundred yards rushing. Okay. He is one of six players ever to do that through his first thirty five games to rush for over twenty five hundred. Also having 5.1 yards a carry. He's got 2,700 yards so far. Who are the three other running backs, or the five other, I guess, the five other running backs who have done that in their first 35 games? Jim Brown immediately comes to mind. I'll say Jim He's Brown. He's not on this list. No, really? I don't, maybe he didn't qualify with the 5.1 yards per carry. I don't know. Okay. Um, this is not out there. I, I, I don't think Adrian Peterson's on there because I don't think yes, he, he, is on there. he is on there. Okay. 5.12. Okay. Um, I stand corrected. He's 3,500 yards. So he, uh, he only averaged about 100 yards per game his first 35 games. So he, he was good. How about Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders would be on there. Yep, he's at 5.14. He rushed for 3,200 yards his first 35 games. So, yep. Adrian Peterson, Barry Sanders, Nick Chubb. Um, are, how many of these, can I get a, a yeah. question like a, or a clue? Like, a, how many of these are more modern day running backs? One, one was 10 years ago. One was 15, 16 years ago. Okay. One was 30 years ago. Okay, so Ladanian Tomlinson? No. Sean. Okay, Sean Alexander? No. Okay. Ugh. None of these guys are Hall of Famers. Okay. 30 years will, ago. Will not be. 30 years ago would have been 1990. Who's. Oh boy. Um, the, 30 year, the thirty year ago guy, he was his career was cut short by injury. Oh boy! He was also a baseball player. Oh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. Yes. Okay. Um, is he, was he thirty years? Yep. Boy, I thought he was old. Or I thought that was longer. Okay. I, 1990 was his 35th. Alright, then we have one from 10 years ago. If I would think back 15 years ago. Hmm. There was a year or two where this guy was the best running back going. 
Well, that's why I thought Ladanian Tomlinson. This guy was extremely fast. Oh, oh. He was the fastest running back alive. Uh, it, I, it's escaping me. What? What? what you're gonna say it now? Oh, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. And this other guy uh, from 2004. He was really good for his first four four years were really good. Four years, he would look like he was hurt his fifth year. Then in sixth and seventh year, he was still really good. He played a couple more years, looks like he was hurt. So he played six full seasons, and he was really good. He's he just under 10,000 yards. Played for Denver and Washington. Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis. He was good for a little stretch there. I, mean, I don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame, but he was really good. Yeah, I would not have come up. I would not have. He was really good. He had... Three years of over fifteen hundred, all another one almost close. So, I would not, I would not have come up with Clinton Portis. Oh, not at all. Hmm. So, Nick Nick Chubb, good start to his career. Yes. With the Browns, they're over five hundred for the first time in six years. So. Yep. Ninety six weeks. Ninety weeks. Ninety weeks. I mean, you'd think you'd be one and all, or two and one. Mm Hmm. Randomly, one of these years. Yep. I think that it like it was the largest stretch from like by thirty four weeks or something like that. It's it, it's staggering. Not even close. No, no, it's not. Also, can, can they? I know they're not, but can they flex with what Vikings Seahawks in two weeks? No, they they are not. Yeah. They are not doing it. They are keeping it there because Why? of Russell Wilson. Because of Russell Wilson. That's gonna be. He is going to tear them a new asshole. <laughs> yes, he is. Oh my yes, god. They, oh my god. So they. What's interesting about that is that they flexed the Broncos and the Patriots to four o'clock, uh, to the four twenty-five wow. game. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 probably because Cam is playing well, but the Broncos are winless. So that doesn't make any sense to me. But this week five here, they could have flexed uh, Raiders Chiefs if they wanted to. They could have Bills Titans. Why wouldn't you flex Bills Titans to three twenty five versus Broncos Patriots? I mean that. There was there was like a lot of good games last week. There does not appear to be a lot of good games this week. No, uh, let's take a look at the early slate here. You got the we got two battles of winless teams. Thursday night football, know, Broncos, Jets. Five. Let's go back to week four. I'm, I'm a week ahead. Yeah, I'm on the Vikings. Yep. Um, okay, well, this, week, uh, this week also does not look very good either. Steelers no, at no, 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 no. Steelers at Titans. Bills at Raiders. Uh, Patriots. Patriots at Chiefs. Patriots. Yep. Yep. That's what you got. Falcons, I mean, the Falcons are going to be 0-4. They lose to Green Bay. Oof. Yeah. Oh, just the Eagles need to win. They're not going to. They're going to get smoked by San Francisco. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. He played a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. When San Francisco wasn't any good. I think it was the rookie. Mm-hmm. And he went like 3-0 and or something. Or he played like three pretty good games. There's some random guy. 
And I don't want to, it was the Jets, or the Giants, but like, he's been good. Yep. In the little that he's played. So there's that. Uh, Bill, the Raiders, I would be interested in that, maybe. Yeah. Um, yep. That's why you, it's why you got to get red zone. That's that's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't care that much about it. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll, I'll watch Vikings, Texans. Oof. I took the over. I had the over at the, the 54 now. I think I got it when it was like 50 or 51. I'm taking the over because I think Houston's got to score at least 30 or 35. So. One would imagine. I think the Vikings is going to lose 20. So. Well, I was looking at our bets. Uh, I think Marcus took the Packers to win last night. So you count that. I think we're 12 and 24 on our bets. Really? Okay. That's... 12 and 24. Oh, well, yeah. That's a, that's a 333 winning percentage. It is so goddamn. It's not like we're restricted. Like, you can pick any three games you want, anything. Just pick three bets. Just pick three things to bet on. You can pick literally anything. You gotta look at it and say, all right, this is what I think is the best odds, my best chance to win, and we can't get one out of three right. It's tough. It's tough. The Jets could beat the Broncos. I thought I'm gonna pick a game one week and bet almost everything I have on whoever is playing the Jets. Cardinals at Jets, and I want a road game. Well, you'll like get... Whenever they, play, whenever they play New England, if I make it that far. Just put, just put like, you know, $80 on New England. Terrible strategy, but... Well, you can hit, you can put the Cardinals in the Jets October 11th, week 5. There you go. Yeah. Or they're at the Chargers. Where they play the Bills. Everything you got on the Bills. Mm-hmm. At, I mean, at the Chiefs. They play Kansas City November 1st. Are you shitting me? Jets at the Chiefs. If that... What is that going to be? A seventeen-point spread? What is that going to be? Oh, minimum, probably twenty-four. Seventeen. 17? That's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's so bad. That, I'm looking forward to that very much. They might be winless. They might be a winless team. That's going to be great. Uh, maybe they'll beat uh, the maybe they'll beat the Dolphins. I don't know. Very exciting. Very exciting. Very good. Well, enjoy the baseball playoffs, my friend. Uh, we'll talk next week. We'll preview it more, and uh, we'll see what happens. And enjoy the debate. Oh, this is going to be fun. Uh, we are, what, Saturday is one month from the election. This Saturday. We're one month away. So we are getting close. And I was thinking about it. You know, a lot's happened in the last four years, as we know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it seem, though, at least to me, it seemed like it was not four years ago we had a presidential election. It seemed like it was maybe two years ago. No. Does it, does it or am no. I wrong? No, I, it seems like it's been a lot longer than that. Does it for you? Yeah. Well, it, it, it I, seems I, like... I remember it, you, it's very vivid, but it's also... I know. It. It's vivid, but I... I yeah, it's... Well, I will say this, I guess. I guess every four years, I guess I've been somewhere else. Because I guess four years ago, I was in Mitchell, and this one, I'll still be in Mitchell. Mm-hmm. In 08, I was in Brookings. I guess in 2012, I was out in... In 2012, I was 
think I was back home. I think I may have been in Nashville. Then in 2004, I was back home in Hartford in high school. So maybe it's because I've been in a different spot every four years. Could be. And then here four years ago, I was like, yeah, I'm in the same spot I was four years ago. I don't know if that has to do with it. Or He's in the news every day, and a lot of shit happens, but it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that we, that we went through this. Because I very much look forward to the to the presidential elections, and we've had some good ones here over the last few years. Yeah, I just I just want November 4th to get here. <laughs> That's where I'm at. It's been a this is gonna feel like like a Viking NFC championship game. This is gonna be this is gonna feel like that. This is gonna feel like Saints Vikings did. This is gonna feel like Falcons Vikings. This is gonna feel like a real at least to me I think. This is gonna be like a real big thing, I think. So the Vikings so we're gonna be disappointed then. Well that, that's usually happened. I d I don't think it's gonna happen here, it just can't. Well then it's not a Vikings every, championship game. Every single game. week I get more sure it just I, it just can't. It just can't. So well, then, then it's not a Vikings championship, though. No, well, one day, one day, I, I doubt it, but maybe, maybe a Twins championship. Maybe, maybe. All right, my friend, you have a great uh, week, and we'll we'll chat with you next week. All right, hopefully Twins are still playing, and yeah. uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, okay. we can only hope, and at least they yeah. win a game. Win a game in the postseason for crying out loud. Win one. <laughs> Thanks, Grins. Yes. All right, I'll see you. Travis Krenz joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time as always. So, yeah, the big uh, thing, baseball preview. Uh, baseball playoffs begin, and we are very much looking forward to that. So, uh, with that being said, uh, we do have more college football talk here. Uh, I think we're going to bump Marcus next week with the hockey because uh, a lot happened in college football this week, and we got to talk about it all. And no one better to do that with than Charlie Hildebrand. He'll join me next, coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. We'll see what else comes around here. Uh, Sports Block Podcast can be found on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stacken, Travis Krenz, at Travis Krenz, Facebook, Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. But coming up next, KJ Costello, 623 yards, the Pirate, making his SEC debut? I... Oklahoma losing? No, that's not surprising. We'll talk about it all next with Charlie Hildebrand here. Coming up next on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. We're going to continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Kind of pull in an audible here. Didn't expect so much to happen in the in the college football world last week. So, uh, But it did. And to talk about it and break it all down, pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review it's Charlie Hildebrand. You got it. Yeah, thank you. Yay, yay. Well, you know, Charlie, um, I think we all had uh, KJ Costello as the guy to set the SEC record for passing yards in a game. In, in, right? in his career as their SEC debut. Yes. Yep. I mean, I, I think we all. the defending national champions. I think we all had that. Uh, so this shouldn't come as a surprise, but. Wow, what a way for Mike Leach to make his debut in the SEC. And I think, I, I, I don't think this is hyperbole here, but he, I think he put the entire rest of the SEC on notice. He 
to a degree. Now, I think it's worth noting that I think LSU only had one guy on their starting defense in the national title game that was playing on Saturday. So, while they're certainly not, like, without talented guys, they did not have the experience that they had last year. And they and while they had a good defense, they still didn't have, like, one of the three or four best LSU defenses ever. Right. Fewest number... So we fewest... look at it through that prism, but yep. still... Everything you said, it's incredibly impressive. And you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be that surprised because of the stacking. What can you tell me about the state of Louisiana? Uh, well, they they get flooded it by hurricanes. The ocean. Yep. And what's what's what happens with you're close by the ocean? Sometimes pirates can get in. Yes, they can. That's exactly what happened. You know, he and LSU returned the fewest number of starters from a national championship ever. All time that they, that we can go back to, like it's not even even close. I think it was like, what five returning starters, so maybe we should have expected things to go a little slowly for him. I found Mike Leach's post game uh, interview with um, with CBS to be incredibly funny, and then he tweets a picture of a pumpkin all shriveled up and said, "This is what happens when we take the spice out of pumpkins." Uh, so think about that before you order a latte. I mean, this guy is just incredible. And I, we know all of his uh, randomness. We know his random nature from stops at Washington State and Texas Tech to a lesser degree. Though Craig James had a had a role in his uh, firing in that regard. But, I mean, he, he is such a breath of fresh air and such a... He's just a, he's so fun or funny to to listen to and so fun to watch. I I can't help rooting for the guy. I know what you mean. Have you? Uh, I think this was when he was at Washington State. That some beat reporter like said he was getting married, and Mike Leach has been like a four minute thing on advice for when you're a newlywed. Yep. Have you seen that one? Yes, I have, and I've seen you know the one when he's ranking the Pac-12 mascots. I haven't seen that yet on the SEC side. I'm sure you know how to, I think there'll probably be uh, some good ones over the next few years while he was there. I, I hope so. But I mean, I, I mean, in terms of, I'm not going to lie, I didn't, when he was in the Big 12 and Nebraska was in the Big 12, I generally did not like him the week that they played Nebraska. And he was there long enough. There were years that Nebraska won and years that Texas Tech won. And when Nebraska won, I didn't care. He was funny. And then when, Nebraska lost to him. I hated him for like two or three weeks, but but he was I don't know. He was always funny and weird enough that he just does stuff that's. I mean, like you said, it's just it's different than so many coaches. Not all of them, but so many of them are just so robotic. And with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban being so successful, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just look and say, "Well, we've got a coach exactly like that." And it's like, "Well, you don't have to coach exactly." Like that. There's other coaches that are good that aren't like that, but they see those two guys. I think we could never have any fun. Everything has to be serious all the time. And like you said, it's a breath of fresh air when you see someone who just enjoys things and says funny, goofy stuff that makes you laugh. As opposed to, you know, talking, you know, awful sort of random things that Belichick and Saban have gotten upset about over. So I always look at the fan perspective, and I mean, we see this in the NFL, specifically with Aaron Rodgers over the first uh, few weeks of the season, where he's had to play in two domes, uh, two indoor stadiums, where it can get especially loud, and he has struggled in the past, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium and the Mercedes-Benz Louisiana Superdome. Now, he... and. (laughs) 
because there were no fans there, it was a lot easier for him to do his hard count. He didn't have to yell or do the signals and stuff. The pass rate, I mean, it's just, it's a completely different ball game when you're playing in an empty stadium versus having to deal with all that noise. So because LSU's, uh, you know, because Death Valley was at what, like 25% capacity, it wasn't nearly as loud. I have it was to, also an afternoon game, not a night game, yep. where you know people had more time to get hammered. Yes, yes. So I have to ask. I mean, if if that place is at a hundred percent capacity, does K? How many fewer yards does KJ Costello have? And does Mississippi State even win that game? I think Mississippi State still wins, probably. I think if it's an afternoon game, I don't think it makes as big of a difference. If it's a night game, if it, you know, if it's the seven thirty college game day, this is the focus of everybody, and we're the center of the college football universe. Which it wasn't, but if it was, and it's at night, you could maybe talk me into there's one fewer touchdown, and if we get down to the final minutes, who knows what could happen? That maybe that makes a difference, but in terms of like crowd noise and things like that, I think there was a point in time that that made a big difference and I think it can make a difference now mm-hmm. especially with a first year starter but he knows his first year at Mississippi State it's not KJ Costello's first time playing and even if LSU's going to be marginally louder I mean you know he's played at plenty I mean not that every Pac-12 stadium is the same but there's still some that get very loud especially you know places like Oregon yep. so I think that one of the things is just that especially guys who are a little bit older like that like you're just not it's it's harder to intimidate people now compared to what it was like 30 years ago mm-hmm. yeah and I, yep I mean, you're right I just wonder at least you in know, terms it, of stuff like that now if you've got a defensive line with four top five draft picks we're all going to be NFL Hall of Famers that could potentially worry a quarterback but that's different you know just in terms of it's so loud, I'm going to make a mistake. I, I think there's still an element of that, but it's much it's much smaller than when we were in like middle school. People made a huge deal, especially about college football stadiums. And, yep. You know, oh my God, this team's got this 35-game home winning streak. And I mean, I mean, most notably, I mean, we've seen Alabama at times win national titles where their only loss was at home mm-hmm. to some mediocre conference team. And I think... I, and that's not to say all the damage doesn't matter, but I just I don't think it's the degree that it was when so much of like football culture and pastime was mm-hmm. you know taking form in American identity in the sixties and seventies and eighties and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but I do think it factors in. Uh, and again, I, I'm bringing up Aaron Rodgers from the NFL just based on what he's done in against New Orleans and Minnesota. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't have had those nearly as good of numbers if they're playing in a, a, a packed stadium and having to deal with all that crowd noise. And I think you, because even you know the, the players who are playing at home can soak in that energy and stuff. Like they feed off of the crowd noise and stuff. And if you have to try and generate your own energy for sixty minutes, that's a, a that's a taxing exercise. It's a it's an additional mental aspect of the game that you don't always think about. And I wonder if that was the case at Oklahoma. You know, if if Oklahoma's playing in 100% capacity stadium and with the fans and stuff, do they lose to Kansas State? Now, maybe. 
I mean, th- I mean, this is an epic Oklahoma collapse here. I mean, yes, you're starting a freshman quarterback. That's and the stuff. one that surprised me the most. Yeah, out of all the ones this weekend. I mean, Kansas Kansas State had just lost to Arkansas State, and they looked pathetic in that game. I it's guess it's also they, worth noting that Kansas State beat Oklahoma last year, so yes. it's not like they were just going to roll up and be like, "We don't care about this team." I would imagine most of the Oklahoma players, especially the ones who were on the team last year. The thing, oh, well, I can't. We lost on the road. It's time to pay him back while we're at home now. And, uh, right. And it seemed like it would, I mean, I don't know, were they up 18 or 21 points? It was, it was 35 to 14 at one point. Yeah, I, I switched the channel and lost track of that game and turned it back like half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour later or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like, wait, can't only got seven right now? How did this happen? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, and granted, freshman quarterback Spencer Radler, who made some impressive throws. Don't get me wrong, but he also made some freshman decisions. He threw three interceptions. Uh, I mean, it, Zach, are you trying to tell me he got a little bit rattled out there? Oh, I, I did. I was not going to go with that, but uh, that's very good. That's very, very well done. Um, I hope you're putting that in the Northwest uh, Iowa Review for your sports headlines and stuff. Um, great job on the pun there. I, I very bravo, Charlie. Bravo. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, I mean, this is stunning. Oklahoma's done in the playoff, as far as I'm concerned right now, because I don't know how. You can get through the rest of this season. I, I, I shouldn't say they are officially done, but I mean that's a that's a damaging loss from their perspective. To so early in the season, when you have you know teams like Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama, and who knows? You know, I was watching a a, a large chunk of ECU and uh, Central Florida on. You know, in the early time slot, because mainly I wanted to hear Mike Golick's voice because I've missed him on ESPN Radio, and he, he does a very good he does a very good job with Dave Pash. Um, I, I very much enjoy. Not this week, but I think two weeks ago he ate a donut on air and convinced me to go to Casey's and buy donuts. Yep, there you go. I mean, so he's he's very influential. Um, so I watched the majority of of that game, and UCF is. A very good if you can get past the uh, all the false starts they had to start that game. So and, and they were talking about maybe this is the year that UCF you know can get in. And I'll probably you know with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten going to start up at the end of October, maybe it means that UCF's only chances to get in as an at-large. You know if you were to expand the playoffs to say eight teams, but I mean Oklahoma's chances I think of taking a severe uh, a severe hit, if not completely damaged it for the year. I agree that there, it's, it's going to be a lot tougher. I think even in terms of, like, this was the case at the BCS, and I think to a degree it's still true today, that if you lose earlier, it's easier to rebound just because if you win nine straight games, or I don't know how many games they have scheduled this year. I know it's not 12, but... Then if you win a bunch in a row, that that's fresher in your mind. Mm-hmm. So I think they could have that. And aside from that, I would generally probably agree with you to be done. But if we just, I, I, I this year is going to be weird. And I, like I said, I've said a couple of times that I, I truly expect there to be teams that have games canceled or teams that you know lose, but they have twelve starters out, and they're just like, oh yeah, well we had to start. A freshman quarterback and three freshman offensive linemen, so we only scored 
nine points and lost twenty one to nine, even though when we're healthy we're far better. And I so just because of that, I don't want to definitively say anything yet because I mean we could have a host of like I I'm not saying that this will happen, but like we could have Clemson, you know. As good as Clemson is and as much more talented as they are than everyone else in the conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take away nine or 12 starters, especially if they're playing someone that is maybe is not one of like the bottom six or seven teams, but you know, if Clemson without 12 starters against your Hokies or against North Carolina or against Miami or Notre Dame, it's like, well, yeah, I could definitely see a losing when you're out that many starters. And I just think there's going to be games like that where it's just like, oh yeah, and especially if you start talking about non-offensive guys that we care about, you know, not quarterbacks or star receivers, you start going like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, how many teams in the country could be out eight starters and unless they said it on the broadcast? Would you be able to, like, look and recognize and say, oh, yes, I can tell that these defensive starters aren't in right now, especially outside of your own favorite team? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, like, maybe, like, four teams I could do that with. The uh, speaking of being down a bunch of starters, Virginia Tech was down twenty three players, and they throttled North Carolina State. Uh, yeah, they still uh, I mean, and people were talking about, oh, North Carolina State, you, you're going to watch out for this Dave Doran offense and stuff. Like they're they're gonna, they're angry after last year, and Virginia Tech said, yeah, here, hold my beer. Uh, they just kicked the shit out of them. So good job, Hokies. Uh, that that was a great win to see. As a Nebraska fan, I remember at times being annoyed when. Bo Pelini was stuck at losing four games every year, and would, but would always win nine or ten. And I remember at times, especially in like year five, how that was sort of annoying. I can't imagine that at NC State where your ceiling's even lower. And it's just, I didn't get one year where they won more, but are just like, all right, well, we went seven and five again. Maybe we'll win the ball game to get to eight. Yep. And just how annoying that would be. Where it's just like, you're just good enough to not instantly fire people. Mm-hmm. But, like, literally nobody. It's especially weird that there's some years where you're like, oh, my God, they've got, like, all these really good defensive players, but they're not that Kyle, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird place, apparently. It's kind of like Glenn Mason's tenure at Minnesota. I mean, he, he would consistently win eight or nine games but never get to that point where you were, a, like, a legit threat to the Rose Bowl or anything like that. And eventually fans got tired of it, and then they went through the – we you know, we went through the doldrums for so long – here in Minnesota, but uh, like that, but I would say he's even like a step below there because yes. I think he's only one more than seven. At yep. least at NC State, I think only once. Kyle Trask, fantastic uh, for Florida. What six touchdowns as they beat Ole Miss? That was impressive. Uh, that tight end, I already forgot what his name is, but the long, lanky guy who I think caught three touchdown passes. I don't remember what his name is though. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Derek King and Miami, you better take note of them. They are a legit threat this year, I think. I mean, and I think they're a legit threat because of him. right, but it's worth noting that Florida State might just be that bad. Oh, too. yes, but... Yeah. I mean, they lost to Georgia Tech earlier this season. Mm-hmm. And in, I mean, in rivalry games, especially where in theory they should have roughly the same talent level, I mean, even if the coaching's not as good, maybe your quarterback's not as good. I mean, it's not like Florida State just recruits a bunch of tryhards. I mean, mm-hmm. they recruit as well as anybody. So I'm not saying that they have to win like 11 or more games every year. 
But I feel like they should be talented enough, especially on defense, to at least be like, yeah, I mean, we lost, but it was, you know, 27-6 to in kind of a gross game. But the way they just got blitzed out of the stadium was surprising to say. Uh, Texas with the comeback for the ages, uh, down 15 with three minutes and change to go, and then they come back and force overtime and win the game. Patrick Mahomes was tweeting live during the game, and uh, I think he'd like to have that back. I also did. I think I put with, like, (laughs) two minutes and 45 seconds left that it was over, and that Texas and Oklahoma both did the same thing, and that it didn't work out that way. So you and Patrick Mahomes have something in common, then. I had a long touchdown run to go up by 15, Yep. and I changed the channel, and then I turned it back not that long later, and I just remember I was like, oh, Texas is only down eight. Oh, and they have the ball at the Texas Tech 21-yard line with 40 seconds left. I was like, oh. So they're probably going to win this game now. Yep, yep. That's pretty. Yeah, much, that's what That's pretty much how I mean, it goes. Now, granted, next gen stats said Texas only had a four percent chance winning, even though they were only down eight. Yeah, but that's, that's another rant for another time for yep. me about next gen stats. Um, Kentucky got jobbed out of a touchdown, and I think that swung momentum heavily in favor of Auburn with that turnover on the very next play. And um, I think if Kentucky gets that touchdown, they. I'm going to state the obvious here. They have a much better chance of beating Auburn. But, um, I mean, that was a huge momentum killer. I'm going to be honest. I watched a good chunk of that game. I don't specifically remember that play. The play that sticks out the most to me was an Auburn guy had a one-handed catch for a touchdown. I remember being like, oh, wow, that was a, that was a grown man wide receiver play. It was the – Kentucky ran the ball. It looked like he crossed it, and they didn't they, – they marked him inside the one – and then it was like a fumble or a pick or something, and Auburn had the pick six, like it was a 100-yard interception return, and they had a blindside block. I remember hearing that they had an interception return. I didn't know that Kentucky had turned it over right before that. So, yeah, that probably – I think Auburn probably still wins, but certainly it's not nearly – it's much more up in the air. Best moment of the weekend, though, happened in Lafayette, Louisiana, where Nate Snyder, a – transfer kicker from Indiana uh, who he'd been he'd been on the struggle bus he'd been on the Steven Gostowski struggle bus uh, for the first couple of games of the season and he even missed a 34 yarder to begin or like in the at the beginning of the game makes a 53 yard field goal to lift Louisiana over Georgia Southern after Georgia Southern had um, taken the lead I mean it's just a cool moment because he had been battling through so much uh, to start the season, and for him to make that 53-yard field goal and the teammates just swarm him and lift him up on their shoulders, that, that's a cool moment. That's what you like to see in sports. That is a mo- nice moment. I like that. I'm surprised. I, me being partially smartass, I thought you were going to say it was the moment when uh, Arkansas was up 10-5 to on Georgia in the second half. <laughs> Yes. We we had that brief moment in time. It would have been yeah. It would, you know that would if Georgia had lost that would have been a, a second or that would have topped Kansas State I, I think taking that down would have been Oklahoma. More surprising than Oklahoma and Kansas State. Uh, week five. Or more because yeah. of how bad Arkansas has been. Where I mean, not like Kansas State's been great, but was at least functional last year. 
Week five, it's a it's pretty light for any meaningful games. You have Auburn at Georgia. That is uh, where College Game Day is going to be. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern, six thirty p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's not a great slate. Now we thought that it wasn't. We were excited about this last week because the SEC was coming back, but we didn't anticipate everything that happened here. But what are you looking at here next week? I have not looked at the slate yet. I uh, frequently in the past I would do that on like Mondays, but Mondays a busy work day, so I haven't looked at it yet. But I will say Auburn in Georgia, which I think is usually the second to last game of the year, or third to last game of the year for each of them. You know, before they play their rivalry games at the end of the year, is frequently a pretty good one. So I am looking forward to that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking here at the rest. Yeah, South Carolina at Florida, no thank you. TCU at Texas, no thank you. Uh, NC State at Pittsburgh, no thank you. Texas A&M at Alabama, nope. Um, Texas A&M barely beat well, Vanderbilt. The team that was struggling with Vanderbilt in the third quarter, you don't think he's going to give Alabama a run for their money? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I think uh, Jimbo Fisher is uh, conning the Texas A&M faithful out of a lot of money. Um, but. We, you know, coronavirus cases are are going up around the country, and this is something, of course, that colleges and stuff will have to pay attention to, and of course, the college football world will have to pay attention to. And now that we know that the Pac-12 is coming back, and then the Mountain West said they're coming back for, I believe, an eight-game schedule, and the MAC is coming back for a six-game schedule. The MAC would say, I think the MAC was the last one, if I remember right. Yes. So all ten of the conferences are scheduled to play yep. this ball. Um. Are, were they, are they just looking at it? I, I, I know that the medical reasoning, like you get more medical information, you get better information on testing and how that works and stuff. So certainly that plays a, a significant role, if not the majority of the, the conversation in this. But I, I, it, it just looks bad when you say, oh, we're not going to do it at all. And then you come crawling back and say, okay, we're going to do this, but we're only going to do like six or seven or eight games. I mean, it's... I would make an argument, you know, Boise State's got a, a pretty good chance to, you know, compete with, you know, UCF as a, you know, that, you know, the the, the non-power five, or maybe they could make a, a run at a, you know, potential playoff spot and stuff. But if you're only going to play seven or eight games, I don't know if that conversation can necessarily be had, especially because you're playing in the Mountain West, where you're going to get San Jose State and Wyoming and Colorado State, teams you can beat up on. So they're playing. They're going to get the money because you get the TV deals and stuff. But and I'm glad they're coming back. It just the optics of it don't look the best to me. I understand what you're saying, and a lot of it is it's just going to depend on how it plays out and how how honest the coaches and the players are about stuff. I mean, I'm not saying this will happen. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. But. Certainly, we could see cases of someone being like, oh, yeah, like finding ways to cheat the system and stuff like that. And if they do that, then you could get a much worse outbreak. And I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that out of like 130 FBS teams, there aren't going to be at least a couple that dry stuff, which could lead to stuff where you have, you know, 30 players out or you have to cancel games and stuff like that. That could, could make things very, very weird. But. But at the same time, I mean, it's possible that, you know, if they've got daily testing and that, you know, they're getting better with that. And I think the school, 
I don't know for every school, but I know at least a lot of, especially like the Power Five schools, are getting like the better, more expensive. Data. I mean, not more expensive; they're less expensive now that they figured out how to do some of this stuff. But uh, the daily tests that you should be able to have quicker responses to, like, oh, this kid needs to get quarantined, and we know that now, as opposed to having them do stuff for three days and infect a bunch of other people. So I mean, it's it's possible that we won't have many problems, mm-hmm. but I think it's more likely that there's probably, I think there's, there's almost certainly going to be at least some, just because we've already seen it this year where there have been canceled or postponed or delayed games, and mm-hmm. there's more teams play, there will mathematically probably be more of those than. Well, I mean, you even see what happened with Georgia State and Charlotte. Like, Georgia State got a whole batch of uh, false positives and stuff, and they had to cancel their game with Charlotte, and they ended up saying, oh, no, like, actually, no one tested positive. You know, everyone was good, so they didn't have to cancel the game. Uh, and, again, I guess the I'm glad that they're going to try and make college football as regular of a season as you possibly can. It's just, you know, why did you have to go to the lengths of canceling it and then come crawling back and say, oh, you know what, maybe we were, we were a little too harsh there, uh, we we're gonna try and do a season here. It just it, it looks it, to me it looks bad because you canceled it and said, well, we're gonna focus on the spring, and now you're trying to come back. Um, I'm glad they're doing you know, it. It just it doesn't look good to me. And also, you throw in that all sorts of schools are, you know, doing furloughs for athletic department employees and stuff like that now. We could go into another conversation that they make so much money and that since they don't have to pay players, they have all this extra money they have to spend <laughs> on something. Yeah. I'm not going to say, I mean, I think there's probably, you know, most people in athletic departments work hard and try to do things well, but a lot of people have, like, very weird jobs that are like, wait, why are you getting paid this much to do this job that someone else could just add to one of their small responsibilities? And mm-hmm. And hopefully it's those people who are making a lot of money that are doing more of the furloughs and not the people who are like, yeah, I actually don't make that much and we really need, need this paycheck right, right. now. I'm glad, I'm glad they're going to come back. It's just it, it just looks weird to me. But uh, that means we'll have more college football to talk about, uh, and, and that's wonderful news. So uh, I appreciate the Audible this week, and, uh, you know, if – if crazy shit happens again this week, which we can only hope it will, if it does, uh, I hope you will uh, grace us with your presence next week again. Uh, but I it, mean, if it does, I certainly can. I mean, you never want to get too predictive. Sometimes it seems like when there aren't a lot of great matchups, that's when weird, crazy stuff happens. Yep. But since we had so much weird, crazy stuff this past weekend, I think it's tough to bank on that. Two weeks in a row, but mm-hmm. I mean... In the NFL, we've seen next-gen stats all the time. You're like, this team's only got a 2% chance to win. And then four minutes later, you're like, oh, actually, they won. You're dumb, next-gen oh, stats. Oh, what a dig at, at the Atlanta Falcons there. Oh, what a dig. <laughs> and the, uh, I forget who the Eagles were playing yesterday. The Great Bengals. The Eagles didn't win. The Bengals. But they tied the game. Yes. And just like, they're down seven points. They're at the other team's, like, 15-yard line with 40 seconds left. And you're only giving them a 12% chance to win. That doesn't sound like that's right. Uh, Carson. They didn't, grade, they didn't win, but they didn't lose either. Carson Wentz, not good. Not good. No. 
Uh, which I'm sure makes our cold, dark hearts so sad that a North Dakota State guy is struggling. Yes, very much so. I'm I'm devastated by that. I, I hate that Goddard got hurt, but uh, yes, it, it makes me sad. I also hate that, too. For two, I mean, A, because I don't like that parody, but also he's not my fans. Mine, too. Mine, too. I guess I have to start Gusecki now. the same thing that I did. You felt obligated to take a guy from the college you went to? No, I, 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 uh, I, I took him after week one. Um, I actually dropped Hayden Hurst, the tight end for Atlanta, and went with uh, Goddard. And uh, that didn't work out so well so far, but I have Mike Gusecki on my bench, so uh, I'm in good hands, I think. That's a good guy to get, partially because, you know, I'm biased because it's a dolphin. I know. I figured well, I, I figured that would uh, that would make you happy. So, between him and Devontae, let's go Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz Magic, let's go. And you got to win this week against the uh, the Minshew Mania Mustache Jaguars. I know, I didn't win this early in the season. I was pleasantly surprised. It's a wonderful time. Hey. You, you, I was taking pictures somewhere. I don't even remember where. I wasn't even looking at the game. I expected it to be a blowout, but in the other direction, and got back and sat down in my apartment after I think it was must have been volleyball pictures because it wasn't a Friday. And it was like, wait, the Dolphins are up by two touchdowns on mm-hmm. this happened. I don't know. Uh, they they came out uh, with a a mission. They came out on a mission. They had a point to prove, and they did it quite well. But uh, Charlie came out with a determination that only an aquatic mammal can have. Oh, I would say so. They outsmarted the jaguar. They lured the jaguar into the water. That's right. Asked it to swim. That didn't help. But, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, we'll chat soon, and uh, we can only hope for more great college football action this weekend in the weeks to come. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later, buddy. Thank you. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. Uh, kind enough to join us. Always appreciate his time. What a wild week it was. Um fantastic uh we might talk hockey probably not we might table that for next week uh we'll make some picks coming up here i've been asked to see if noah my son will make some picks i don't know if we'll get to that point yet we might try it we'll try it here in the next couple weeks he picked the titans last week so smart kid but we'll uh, recap the nfl uh week three react to it all and um yeah We'll get to that all next here and wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, which again is found on podcast.com. Uh, follow Charlie Hildebrand on Twitter at CE Hildebrand. And uh, yeah, wrapping up the Sports Block Podcast next with some football talk here the last week in September. It's coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Let's finish up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at week three and make some early picks for week four in the NFL. Started Thursday night. Uh, wow, the Miami Dolphins really came out guns a blazing. They they were focused. They were determined. Their offense looked very good. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick ran for he threw for two touchdowns. Ran for another, right? Yeah, I mean he was very good. Dolphins uh, beat the Jaguars thoroughly, thirty-one to thirteen. Then on Sunday, I mean, how bad are the Giants? I get that no Saquon Barkley and no you know Sterling Shepard, but I, the the 49ers were a mash unit. The walking wounded. I mean, Nick Mullins was the starting quarterback. The Jarek McKinnon started. I mean, he hadn't played for 
he hadn't started for like a couple years. He had a bad knee. And the 49ers embarrassed the Giants, 36-9. So they improved to 2-0 at MetLife Stadium this year. And that's all the games they'll play there. I think in the 49ers wish they could play more. Uh, New England beats the Raiders, uh, gives Las Vegas their first loss of the year, 36-20. Rex Burke had two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. Wasn't a great day for Cam Newton, but uh, he did enough to get the job done, and the Patriots had dedicated the game to running back James White, who, of course, last week we talked about had uh, his parents were in a terrible car accident in uh, Miami uh, right the Sunday right before they played Seattle. James White did not play. Um, in this game, his father passed away. I believe his mother is still in critical condition. I do not have an update on that, but the Patriots dedicated the game to him, and they won 36-20. Game of the day in Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills up 28-3 on the Rams. Oh, I mean, the Rams, they just look like crap. You know, you can't do anything. Josh Allen looked very, very good. All of a sudden, the Rams come back. I don't know if the Bills let their, let their foot off the, the pedal a little bit. Uh, but the Rams came back to take the lead, 32-28. The Bills respond third and 23. Josh Allen finds Cole Beasley for a first down. And then on fourth down inside the 20. Oh, boy, a pass interference call, a questionable pass interference call. I think it was the right call. Uh, and the Rams are in no uh, position to uh, complain about bad um, pass interference penalties. Remember the NFC Championship game from a couple of years ago. Uh, the, Josh Allen finds Tyler Croft in the end zone. Bills win 35-32. And Allen is just, he's been so impressive thus far this year. Cleveland is 2-1. They're above 500 for the first time in 90 weeks. They beat Washington 34-20. Nick Chubb, another big day on the ground, over 100 yards and a couple of TDs. Uh, yeah. They've won 30-plus points in two straight games for the first time since 2010 and 90 weeks since they were above 500. Holy cow. Browns fans have a lot of patience in your team, I'll tell you what. You know who doesn't have patience? The Philadelphia Eagles and their the, the Eagles fans. Eagles inexplicably tied with the Bengals 23-23. They have not beaten Cincinnati now since the year 2000. Uh the, they were lucky to tie the game. The, the Bengals left points on the on the board with a couple of field goals inside the red zone. Couldn't cash in. Uh, Wentz runs in for a touchdown to tie the game at the end of regulation. In overtime, the Eagles had a couple of chances. Then at the very end, 19 seconds left, they didn't try a 59-yard field goal. Uh, got a false start. Didn't try the uh, They were going to try a 59-yard field goal. Got a false start. Wouldn't try the 64-yarder. Doug Peterson, head coach, played for the tie. But the, just the whole overtime, it just didn't seem like they had any urgency to try and win the game. Uh, it, it's stunning, really. And now Dallas Goddard, Jack Rabbit, uh, is out for a while with a fractured ankle. It's just, ugh. It just, what are the Eagles doing? Uh, what are the Falcons doing? Blowing another... Uh, double-digit fourth-quarter lead. They did it again this week, to uh, this time at home to the Chicago Bears. Up 26-10, Matty Ice throws eight straight incompletions. The Bears bench Mitch Trubisky for Nick Foles. Foles comes in and delivers. He did throw a pick, but he did throw the touchdowns when they mattered. He is now the starting quarterback. The Bears come back to win 30-26 to and improve to 3-0 on the season, leaving the Falcons winless at 0-3. 
Texans jumped out on the Pittsburgh Steelers 14-3 early on. It's like, oh, maybe, you know, Deshaun Watson and company have come to play. Ugh. Steelers battled back, and in the fourth quarter, I think the Texans only had the ball for like three minutes, just over three minutes. Steelers' ball control, uh, effective. They beat the Texans 28-21. Steelers' first 3-0 start since 2010. Uh, one of the shockers of the day, Teddy Bridgewater and the Christian mccaffrey Panthers beat the Chargers in L.A. 21-16. Justin Herbert wasn't as nearly as good as he was the previous week against Kansas City. Uh Teddy Bridgewater did enough, though. They got the job done. Uh, Chargers had a chance to win this game late. They started the, the their final drive from their own one-yard line, and they got down in like near the 25-30. They tried a hook and ladder play. Keenan Allen caught it, tried to pitch it to Austin Eckler. Probably just the timing was a little off. If Eckler catches it, he goes into the end zone, and they win. Unfortunately, they do not. The Panthers earn the victory 21-16 over Chargers, and it's their first win since November 9th of last year. 11-game win streak. Done. Uh, oh, boy, the Jets are terrible. They're just awful. The Colts' defense outscored them on Sunday. 16-7. Two pick-sixes and a safety. Colts roll 36-7. The Jets are a dumpster fire, and Adam Gase is going to be fired after Thursday night if they don't beat the Broncos. Noelis had a double-digit losing streak, and the Detroit Lions. They upset the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray throws three interceptions. Ugh. Why, Kyler? Why? Uh, it was not nearly as good as he normally has been in uh, in the first through the first couple of weeks. The Lions win twenty six to twenty three. Matt Prater makes a game winning field goal there at the end. Uh, big win for the Lions, who just needed to stay the course, and they did. They get the win. A wild back-and-forth game in Seattle where the Seahawks beat the Cowboys 38-31. DK Metcalf had a touchdown in the first quarter, or he would have if he would have just hustled it in the end zone. Instead, kind of was lackadaisical with the ball, didn't hustle. The Cowboys punched it out. I mean, that would have put the... Yeah, they would have had a touchdown lead. They had a 30-15 lead at one point. Dak Prescott leads uh, a comeback. He had over 470 yards passing. Uh... He must have been inspired by K.J. Costello from the previous day uh, against LSU. But uh, and the, the Cowboys actually had the lead, 31-30. to 30. But Russell Wilson led the Seahawks back. Five touchdown passes on the day. He is now 14 through two for through three weeks in an NFL record. He's playing great right now. Seahawks win 38-31. Tom Brady struggled in Denver. Not this time around. When you're facing Jeff Driscoll, that makes it a lot easier. Brady and the Bucks win 28-10 defense with a phenomenal effort. But again, going up against as many backups and scrubs as the Broncos have, you should do that. They win. And then Packers, you go into a loud place like Superdome, a normally loud place like the Superdome in New Orleans. Didn't have to deal with the crowd. Aaron Rodgers thrived on that. He had Alan Lazard. I mean, Devontae Adams didn't play. Alan Lazard stepped up big. Six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. It is the first win on the road against New Orleans for Green Bay since 1995. 25 years. Uh, That's stunning. What a remarkable statistic. Uh, It's been a house of horrors for them at the Superdome. That doesn't count. I mean, they did win a Super Bowl in New Orleans against the Patriots, but that wasn't against the Saints. Neutral site. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, great. Three touchdowns. Drew Brees, uh, Alvin Kamara was the the star of this game. 13 catches, 139 yards for the Saints running back. Boy, I wish I had taken him in both my leagues in fantasy. I had him. He was right there, and I 
I just I, I didn't go with him. Uh, big regret on my part. Big regret. Um, but the you know the game really kind of turned when Taysom Hill fumbled it in the fourth quarter on an option read with Latavius Murray. Packers uh, the game was tied. Packers score on the ensuing possession. They go on to win. 37-30, and then Monday Night Football with a big hype. Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes, game of the year. It didn't live up to the billing, and that's because the Chiefs throttled the Ravens on the ground, outgaining them 517-228. to Lamar Jackson had under 100 yards passing. Mahomes, four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. He was fantastic, 385 yards passing. The Chiefs annihilate. Well, They, they beat the, the Ravens. It was only 34-20. to but the game was a lot. Uh, you know, the Ravens had a, a return touchdown in here. The Chiefs dominate a lot more than that shows. Uh, let's make some Week Four picks then. So uh, what? Last week I think we were ten and six, average. This week, Week Four begins Thursday night. Denver Broncos at the Jets, 8:20 p.m. Eastern, 7:20 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network. This is a just an awful, hideous game. Uh, the Broncos have backups. The Jets don't. I'm going to take the Jets, and I don't feel good about that at all. Uh, holy cow. What an awful game. What a, just an awful game. Terrible. We thought Jaguars Dolphins was bad. This is far worse. What's the better teams on the NFL Network? Uh, Sunday. Colts, uh, the 2-1 Indianapolis Colts at the 3-0 Chicago Bears. 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Nick Foles is going to start. I think the Colts are better, but they have a lot of injuries. I'll take the Bears to win an, a close one. I don't feel good about it, though. I really don't. I, I just, But I'll go with the Bears to stay undefeated. 3-0 Seahawks at the 1-2 Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. This is as far away as you could possibly go to play. Miami to Seattle. It's an early kickoff. The Seahawks might struggle early. I don't think Jamal Adams is playing. He's got a groin injury, the safety for the Seahawks. But the Seahawks will prevail. Uh, Russell Wilson and company, just too good. They win. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. The 1-2 Jags, the 0-2-1 Bengals. Is this the week that the Bengals get their first win of the season? I think so. Uh, they were so close against the Eagles. Joe Burrow finally breaks through. It should be an entertaining game because Gardner Minshew will keep the Jaguars in it, provided that T DJ Chark plays. I think he will have the Bengals winning. The 2-1 Browns at the 1-2 Dallas Cowboys, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Holy cats. The Browns have a better record than the Cowboys. They'll be even after this game. Uh, Dallas just too good. Uh, I, I just don't see the Browns being able to keep up uh, with points wise and the Browns uh, the Cowboys will win this game a battle of one and two teams the one and two Saints against the one and two Detroit Lions 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play I hope he does I doubt it but I think the Saints are better than the Lions if they don't win this game the Saints season is going to spiral out of control in a hurry I'll take the Saints though to win Arizona Cardinals at the Panthers, 2-1 Cardinals at the 1-2 Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Uh, let's go with the Cardinals here. Kyler Murray, bounce back game. You can do it against that Panthers defense. Uh, I know it's a road game, but no Christian McCaffrey. That helps. Cardinals get back on the winning track. Uh, Minnesota Vikings at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. Battle of winless teams here. Each team 0-3. 
The Texans have played a far more difficult schedule than the Vikings. The Vikings defense can't stop anyone. Deshaun Watson has a big day. The Texans beat the Vikings. The LA Chargers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. The one and two Chargers, the two and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Justin Herbert getting the start. Oh boy, that Buccaneers defense licking their chops. Looking forward to playing him. Tom Brady, please hit Mike Evans for more than two two yards. He did have two touchdowns, but I need more than that to win in fantasy last week. Uh, Bucks win this game. Baltimore Ravens at uh, the Washington Washington football team, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. The Ravens looking to forget that terrible loss to the Chiefs. And what better way to do it than to throttle Washington? Because Washington, not very good. Ravens win this one easily. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. A battle of undefeated teams. Uh, so... Are the Steelers really as good as their 3-0 record indicates? I don't know. But I think they're more more—they're closer to that than the Tennessee Titans are uh, because the Titans have won three games thanks to Steven Gostowski. Uh, this is a big uh, measuring stick game for the Titans. I think I will take them, provided that A.J. Brown plays. Yeah, well, the Titans win this one. It's not going to be easy, but I'll, I'll take the Titans. New York Giants, 0-3 Giants at the 2-1 LA Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Rams lost a heartbreaker to the Bills last week, but they didn't play good for much of that contest. They won't need that sort of effort against the Giants. They'll roll the Giants. Aaron Donald, big game. The 2-1 Patriots at the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Do I mean, Bill Belichick will do his best to stop Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to, though. Mahomes and company roll the Patriots. Then the Buffalo Bills, 3-0 Bills at the 2-1 Las Vegas Raiders, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The Raiders a little banged up at the wide receiver position with their rookie wideouts. I think the Bills, Josh Allen, another big game. I think the Bills win that one. I'll take them to stay undefeated. The 0-2-1 Eagles at the 2-1 San Francisco 49ers, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Awful game. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to get destroyed by the 49ers defense. Just annihilated. 49ers kick ass in this game. And then Monday Night Football, the 0-3 Falcons at the 3-0 Green Bay Packers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. The Falcons defense secondary has been much maligned here and giving up these big leads. And now you have to face Aaron Rodgers. There will be no double-digit lead that the Falcons squander in this one. The, the Packers won't let that happen. The, the Packers will be up sizably going into the fourth quarter, and they win this game easily. And that's a look at your week four picks. Official picks and predictions found in the stack. Stackattack.sportsblog in our Friday football or in our football Friday post. So check that out. Stackattack.sportsblog.com. Uh, I want to thank Travis, as always, and Charlie for joining me to talk some college football. We will talk Stanley Cup. Uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We will talk about that next week with um, with Marcus. Um, just kind of rearrange some stuff here with, with what happened on the college football side of things. We want to get this podcast out to you early this week because of the baseball playoffs. So there's that. But we will talk Marcus next week. I'm going to see if Noah's going to we'll make some picks here. We'll try and record something with that. See if he is willing to. If not, maybe uh, we'll try again in a few weeks or otherwise maybe it'll be next year. But the kid's coming and he's going to make some good picks. Better than mine. So, for Travis and Charlie, 
I'm Nathan. Uh, hope you have a good week. Uh, keep wearing a mask. Stay safe. Get through this together, hopefully. But enjoy the baseball playoffs. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Enjoy another week of great college football and pro football NFL action here. So uh, enjoy it all. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe.